0: So take your copy of God's Word if you will and turn to Matthew's Gospel chapter number 20. So it, it's Mother's Day. We learn so much from our moms. And I get Mother's Day is also a day of mixed emotions. You know, my, my mother-in-law used to say Mother's Day was the hardest day for her. She said, it's not my birthday, not my mama's birthday, not Christmas, but Mother's Day because my mother is with the Lord. And now... She is with the Lord. So some, some, many of you know what that's like when, you're, when your mom is gone. Have a friend who is fostering kids. They have foster kids in the house dealing with all kind of behavioral issues. And then Mother's Day, I'm sure it's just going to exacerbate that. So a day of great joy. We have friends. You know, the last Sunday that we met and went to different church plants, Julie and I went to middle Georgia to see a little girl baptized. That little girl's mom used to never come to church on Mother's Day because before she knew the Lord... She was a student at UGA. She had several abortions. And she was afraid that she would never be able to have children. And then our whole church prayed over them over and over again. God blessed them with little children. So we're there for Eliana's baptism. But for years, she just couldn't come to church on Mother's Day. You know, she knew she was forgiven. She knew as a Christian, she was lost when she had those abortions, but just emotionally couldn't. So it's a day of mixed emotions for a lot of people. And my mama was up yesterday. We got to celebrate with my mom. And so if your mom is alive, I hope you take the time to bless her somehow today. But mamas teach us about foresight. Make sure you wear clean underwear in case you get an accident. So they teach us about foresight. Mamas teach us about logic. If you fall out of that tree and break your neck, don't come trying to me. They teach us about logic. They teach us about maturity. If you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up. So we learn about maturity from our moms. They teach us about religion. You better pray that stain comes out of that carpet. Mamas teach us a lot of different things. Mamas teach us about time travel. If you don't stop, I'm going to knock you into next week. You've heard these things, right? So these were lessons you learned from your mom. Moms teach us about contradictions. Shut up and eat your supper. If you shut your mouth, how do you eat your supper? I don't know how that works. Moms teach us about Contor, being a contortionist. Would you look at that dirt on the back of your neck? I, I don't know how we're supposed to, to do that. Moms teach us about perseverance. You're going to sit there until you eat every last bite of that broccoli. Thank God my mama did not make me eat nasty stuff. Therefore, I'm a picky eater. My son is a picky eater. My little grandson, the happiest time in his life is eating. He eats everything. He likes it all. So that's a blessing. Mamas teach us about genetics. You're acting just like your daddy. Mamas teach us about the weather. Your room looks like a tornado went through your room. Have you heard some of these things in your growing up years? Moms teach us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world and I can take you out of this world. So mamas teach us a lot of different things. And so when we're young, nobody's more influential on our lives than our mothers. For most of us, again, as I said earlier, I know it's not the case for everybody. Everybody doesn't have a, a godly mom. But you know, it may be that daddy that teaches a little boy how to play football. But when that camera goes on that NFL player, who does he say hey to? hi mom when you see them on the camera so it's the mama they say that the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world moms are on the front lines they give of themselves unselfishly you know if you know my story my mom was a teenage mother we live in a single wide mobile home and the sacrifices that my mom made for me and my sister we couldn't even comprehend at that time but now looking back on it i see that moms have the ability to help bring the agents of transformation in the lives of their children for good or for bad. We're transformation church. We want to be a church that exists where anybody can be transformed by the good news of the gospel. But it's the, the teaching and the influence of our moms that can be agents of the Holy Spirit to bring about that transformation in our lives. And so I thought about our transformation moms, you moms and you grandmothers that are here the example that you are setting for your children and your grandchildren because a church plant is hard. It is not easy. Amen? You know, if you went to a regular church, you wouldn't have been hauling out chairs and helping set up like some of you jumped in and did this morning. You would have already been in a life group at 915 in a regular church. But transformation moms, you're setting the example for your children and your grandchildren to kind of temporarily sacrifice and put some stuff that we want. We want to have life group and all that in the future. But you're giving an example of sacrificial obedience to the Lord. In Matthew chapter 20, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon preached on Salome. Certainly not in the context of Matthew chapter 20. Anytime I've studied this passage, this woman was put in a negative context. But I think for Matthew chapter 20, we can see six characteristics of transformation moms in Matthew chapter 20. So if you're physically able, let's stand and give honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 20 verse 20, 2020. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? Jesus asked her. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. Not them other mama's sons. I want my two sons sitting in place of honor on your right and on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, the mama and the boys, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say he'll sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared these places for the ones he has chosen. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for my mom. Lord, I'm so thankful for a bonus mom, a stepmom that loves you. And Lord, you allowed me the privilege to see her come to know you on a Mother's Day many years ago when I invited her to church on Mother's Day. God, I'll never forget that, day, that Mother's Day when you reached down and saved my sweet stepmother. And God, I'm thankful that as a result of what my daddy saw in her life, he later got his life right with you. Lord, thank you for our moms and what they mean to us. Thank you for the truth of your word and even the example of Salome. Although her motives might not have been pure at that time, Lord, thank you for the rich truths that we can learn from these characteristics of transformation moms today. So Lord, speak to our hearts, whether we're a mama or those of us who are dudes who are never going to be a mama, we know these spiritual principles apply to us as well. So help us to apply your truth. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. So it really, the way I've always studied this passage of scripture, put this woman in a negative context. She was selfish, and maybe she was. She wanted her boys to be in the place of highest honor by Jesus. But what parent doesn't want the best for our kids, amen? That's why moms and dads work so hard. We want our kids to have it better than we did. But Salome didn't really understand what she was asking. She, like many people at that time, they're thinking Jesus is coming to overthrow the Roman government and set up a political kingdom. And she meant let them be in places of honor, like maybe a vice president or secretary of state. She had no idea what she was asking for. But from her approach to Jesus, there's some things we can learn this morning about transformation moms. We don't have a screen, but if you want to write these down, if I talk too fast, When I talk too fast, ask me to repeat it and I will. Number one, transformation moms know Jesus has all the answers. Transformation moms know that Jesus has all the answers. Although her motives might not have been pure, she knew where to go to get the answers that she needed. Jesus has the answers for all of life, for all that we need to know. While dads have the ultimate responsibility, biblically and scripturally, the responsibility is on us. It's on dads to raise godly kids. But let's just be honest. Who taught most of us how to pray? It was my mama. Now I lay me down to sleep. Did your mama teach you that when you were a little boy? God is great. God is good. That was my mama who taught me those things. For most of us, it's our m- moms. teach us that if you want answers, you take that to the Lord Jesus to approach Jesus with our needs and our desires. So transformation moms know Jesus has all the answers. That's number one. Number two from this lady Salome, transformation moms bring their kids to Jesus. Transformation moms bring their kids to Jesus. James and John were adults at that point, and my kids are adults at this point, but every parent in the room knows no matter how old they are, they're still our babies, amen? They're still our kids no matter what. She knew to get the answers that she wanted. She brought those boys to Jesus. Perhaps some of the most outstanding positive lessons we can learn from her today is we need to make sure we're getting our kids to the Lord. We need to make sure of that. You know, many times it's the dad you know su- ch- successful churches focus on reaching reaching the dad because you reach the dads you reach everybody but it doesn't always work that way for me i came to know the lord first my mom and stepdad who had professed the lord got active in church after that my stepmother did not know the lord i have many of you know i have a baby sister i have a sister three years younger than me and i have a sister 22 years younger than me my half sister So she was little. I just graduated from UGA when she was born. And so I invited my parents, my dad and stepmother to church on Mother's Day. And she heard a sermon on how to be a godly mom. And it was on that day my stepmother gave her heart and life to Jesus. Changed the entire church. trajectory for my whole family, for my entire family. My my dad had been a drunk. My dad's dad was a drunk. My stepmother gets saved. And in time, my dad saw the difference and my dad sold out to Jesus. My daddy used to tell me, you are never home. Every time I call you, you're doing something with that church. Well, guess what after my stepmother got saved and my daddy got saved i could never find my daddy he was always doing something with his church he became the youth leader in his church he became a deacon in his church he got so involved in the life of his church all because My stepmother listened to the voice of truth on a day just like today, Mother's Day, and sold out to the Lord. So I don't believe Salome's motives were pure, but she knew she needed to get those boys to Jesus. We need to do whatever it takes to point our children to Jesus. And so mamas teach us that, to take all our cares to Jesus. So the third thing about transformation moms, you're listening good. Number three, transformation moms teach their kids to have reverence for Jesus to have reverence or respect for Jesus. Godly moms teach that. Children often mimic the behavior of their parents. You learn that early on. Right? I have to be careful what we say because kids are going to repeat whatever we say. They're going to redo whatever we do. So if you've got a thankful mama, that child's going to be taught to be thankful. If you've got a mom or a dad with a critical spirit, you may see a child who has a critical spirit as well. But if the parent is happy and upbeat and demonstrates faith in the Lord, that's no guarantee that the kids are going to be godly, but you're setting the right example for them, for them to follow. She taught those boys reverence for Jesus. Look at her attitude here in this passage. The scripture says, Holman Christian Standard says she knelt down before Jesus. I think King James says she worshipped Jesus. She bowed down. In that culture, the word worship, it literally meant to like bow down and to kiss the hand of a person. She bowed down and she kissed the hand of Jesus, I believe, showing her boys there's something different about this man, Jesus. He's not like everybody else. We ought to have reverence and respect for him. He's not the man upstairs. He's not just our best bud. He's the sovereign God of the universe, that respect for him. Do we truly, do we show him the respect that he deserves. Do we realize and I think I told you last week or recently that when we sing, I try to remind myself who I'm singing to. It's not just a song whose tune I like or lyrics I like but we're singing to the God of the universe. Picture that throne room door swinging open and there he sits, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords on his throne. That's who we're singing to. We ought to have some reverence and respect for him. She taught her boys to have that. Number four, Transformation moms teach us how to ask Jesus for blessings. Transformation moms teach us how to ask Jesus for blessings. She demonstrated to her boys, you got to go to Jesus. Jesus has all the answers. We respect him. And then with the right attitude and in the right way, then we ask him for things. Again, I think she was misguided in what Jesus' mission was supposed to be. She was looking for a political kingdom, but she had enough respect and enough acknowledgement. There's something different about this man, Jesus. And it's mind-blowing when she did that, that Jesus, the sovereign God of the universe, who don't need anything and who knows everything, said, what do you want? He asked her, what what, what do you want? He already knew that. But he was demonstrating to her that he cares. You know, whatever you need, he cares about that. Whatever whatever the needs are in your life, he cares about that. Even if you have a misguided want, he cares about that. We might as well be honest with him about that. This is a reminder to us that he cares. And although he's omniscient and all-knowing and he already knows, for some reason he wants us to pray. I'll never understand that. I'll never understand that as long as I live. God, who knows everything, wants me to pray, but I'm so thankful for it, that communication in prayer. And it's not just a Santa Claus wish list. It's spending time in His presence and worshiping Him. We get in His presence. So she was trying to get her boys special treatment, but she was honest with God about it. Have you ever prayed and you're not really totally honest with God, like you're going to trick Him? You're praying about something, but you know what? Your motives are really not the best motives. He knows all that stuff anyway, but it's okay because he already knows that he hadn't zapped us and he hadn't sent us to hell. He loves us right where we are, but he loves us too much to keep us there. He wants us to be transparent before him because he knows it anyway. So when we attempt to fool God, we're not fooling God and we're not fooling ourselves, either one. Number five, transformation moms teach us to live in awareness of who Jesus is. Transformation moms teach us to live in awareness of who Jesus is. Look at verse 22. She got silent in verse 22. Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. And you know what? History records they were able. James, we're told, is the first disciple who was martyred who gave his life for the Lord. History says John, John lived out his life. He didn't die a martyr, but he lived out in exile on the Isle of Patmos, suffering. Some say a slave there because of his faith. So they did drink of that bitter cup of suffering that Jesus warned them they would. Maybe now Salome's realizing, uh oh, I didn't ask for the wrong thing now. I didn't ask for my boys to be in a place of prominence, and Jesus is talking about suffering and drinking from that bitter cup. Reckon she wanted to throw it in reverse and change that prayer all of a sudden? She wanted to take back what she just prayed. I imagine in my mind a mama who wanted cushy jobs for her. She didn't want her boys to have to work as hard as she did. She didn't want her boys to have to sweat and sacrifice, maybe like she and Zebedee did. But now she's hearing they're going to suffer for the Lord. Perhaps as Jesus turned and looked at him and said, boys, y'all up for this? She's thinking, no, no, no. Can I back that up and change my mind? Have you ever prayed for something and God gave it to you, but it wasn't really what you wanted? I have. I mean, how many of you are thankful you did not marry the first person you thought you were going to marry? Many of us are in that boat. You know, unanswered prayers. Thank God for unanswered prayers. We can look back now and see that. God answered some prayers. And even as I was studying for this passage, as I knew, I mean, you've heard me say I was in a great church in middle Georgia. Been there 19 years. Happy to be there. Wanted to be there forever. Had no desire to leave that church. Why would you leave a great church like that? And the Holy Spirit of God starts putting on my heart, because you're going to pastor a church specifically in Northeast Georgia. So we just knew. And when Dr. Cantor called me about a church in town, when James Dollar, I'm like, that's where we're going. Little did I know it would be difficult, you know. But then the providence of God, God called me to serve. We can just be real, two difficult churches back-to-back. Left, one of the best churches in, in the country, you know, in the state, country maybe. And by the way, Second Baptist Church is going to be our sending church. I can tell you that now. You have to have an official sending church as a church plant who sponsors you. Second Baptist Church, One Robbins, Georgia, will be our sending church. So we're very, very thankful for that. That was a necessary step as we apply for support from the North American Mission Board. But it hit me as I was studying for this message. If God said, I want you to leave there and go plant a church in a gymnasium, there ain't no way. I would never, ever, ever be doing this. I prayed for God to send me here to spend the rest of my life in Northeast Georgia, but I can look back now and say, I prayed for it and God gave it to me. Had I known how hard that was going to be, I wouldn't have done that. And I was even told, hey, you're going to two different difficult churches, but I went anyway on the call of God. But I don't think I'd have done this. I don't think I would have left Warner Robbins to come and meet in a gym and be have the responsibility on my back to raise $200,000 before September. By the way, I want you to pray some specific prayers this week. You know, we're facing that first deadline where we need $100,000. Pray for some big gifts this week. Can we, I mean, God is, look, took care of Dr. Harris's you know, metastasized cancer. We need some $10,000 gifts this week. Can we pray for four, $5,000 gifts this week? I've reached out to some people who can do that and they don't even miss it. Now, for me, I would have to fast for months to, to write a check like that. But I got some people I've reached out to, they're not gonna miss it at all. We're talking to some large churches the North American Mission Board that are gonna bless us in a big way, but that's kind of down the road. We need this to happen now. So we serve a big God. She knew to get her boys before Jesus but sometimes when we pray about things, we don't always know exactly what we're praying for, but God has a plan. And I'm so thankful God sent me to two difficult churches to get me to the point that we are now because I believe the best is yet to come. We had, we had co-pastors in One Robbins, two pastors. Our, our pastor Rasta Salter was there for 49 years and he had um, malignant melanoma on his head. And he was told he wouldn't live. So he brought in a former youth pastor, Mike Everson, to be co-pastors with him. Well, then God healed Brother Rastus. And so we had two pastors for years. And then Mike Everson left. Brother Rastus is on up in years. Doesn't get around like he used to him. We're praying, oh Lord, what are we going to do now? We have three services every Sunday. Sunday, you know, 8, 830 and 11. Mike Everson preached one. Brother Rastus preached one. Uh, Brother Astor's preached Sunday night. Mike Everson preached Wednesday night. Mike's leaving. Brother Astor's on up. Who's going to be able to preach all these services? We, we, our prayer was God made the fourth quarter of his life be the most productive quarter of his life. And you know what? It was. It was the most productive years of his ministry. So here I am planting this. I'm trusting God that these are going to be the most productive years I've allowed, God's allowed me to see in my years of ministry. And you are a huge part of that by being transformation moms and dads. So the sixth thing, transformation moms accept Jesus' words as truth. Transformation moms accept Jesus' words as truth. Salome listened to what he said, and she took that as absolute truth. Absolute truth is that which is true for all people, for all places, and for all times. The inerrancy and sufficiency of Scripture is the most attacked doctrine today. What do I mean by those big old words? Inerrancy just means there are no mistakes in the Bible. It is God breathed. God literally it's God breathed out His Word. Holy men of God wrote it down as they were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. It is perfect. And so we came in, our late, in the late 70s, early 80s in our Southern Baptist Convention from almost going off the cliff of liberalism, where our seminaries were at that time and the Lord used some godly men like Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley and Jerry Vines and Paige Patterson to bring our convention back to the inerrancy of scripture and we thank God for that and then I think for years I was a guilty pastor I didn't go to the conventions I didn't go to all that I was a youth pastor so I was busy in the summer my kids were out of school I wasn't going to Southern Baptist Convention didn't interest me any now we're in a situation in our convention where most of the preachers will tell you they believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, but they don't believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. What do I mean? They believe it's all true, but it's not sufficient for all of the situations of life. So that's why they, we got all this woke mess going on in our conventions. I reached out to a young man from my Warner Robbins church who I knew as a, as a young boy. I told his parents, there's something special about Chaz god's hand is on his life i can see it later on got to lead Chaz to the lord god's recently called him to ministry i said you need to get your behind up here help us plant this church and you need to go to truett mcconnell and get your master's degree there because i don't have a lot of confidence at this point in our southern baptist schools and he said what do you mean by that so i was able to to share that with him i believe it's too soon to quit If you want to know my opinion, we are still going to be a Southern Baptist church. It's too soon to quit. I believe in the cooperative program where we pool our resources to support our missionaries. Many of you know Danny Rice, my son's best friend, was a missionary in Russia. Well, they had to evacuate Russia. Now he's in Hungary ministering to Russian evacuees. I believe in the cooperative program. I believe we can still rescue our seminaries back from wokeness and some kind of liberalism like we did in the 70s and 80s and get back to the Word of God is absolute truth. Salome knew Jesus said it, and I can take that to the bank. This mess has been going on from the Garden of Eden. From the Garden of Eden when the, when the devil slithered in in the form of a snake and said to Eve, Did God really say that? Point of that doubt. Did God really say that? Did He really mean you can eat of all the trees except this one? That doubt about... Why does Satan key in on getting us to doubt God's Word? I think he would rather us believe a lie about Scripture than to commit a specific sin i mean, i ought not to do any of them, but if I doubt the truth of Scripture, that opens my life up wide open for every other sin in the world. I think, well, God didn't really mean that. Jesus didn't understand. It's been 2,000 years. Our culture is different today. No, it is absolute truth. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, is given by inspiration of God. That literally means God breathed it out. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. That just means the Bible tells us what's right. It tells us what's not right. It tells us how to get right. And it tells us how to stay right. So lo, me knew because Jesus said it, that settles it. I mentioned the bringing back of our convention back in 1979. And there was a popular bumper sticker at the time that people put on their cars. that said, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. You may remember those bumper stickers. I didn't like those bumper stickers. You know why? Because God said it and that settles it, whether I believe it or not. God said it and that settles it. And Salome knew God said it and that settles it. I wonder how many times people think, well, I know what it means to follow Jesus. And we really have no idea what we're getting into. Some people think following Jesus is just filling out a card. I remember when I was in the fourth grade and you know, didn't grow up faithfully in church. We had a crusade come to my hometown and a preacher preached on hell. And the church I went to, that preacher had never preached on hell. Now, how can you say that, Mike? Because my family didn't go all the time, but I had a great aunt who went all the time. Her name was Sammy Dura. Her her grandchildren call her Mammy, Mammy Sammy. But Sammy said she finally went to the preacher and said, you never preach on hell. Why don't you ever preach on hell? And she said, Mike, he did one time, and when he finished, he walked off the platform and said, There you go, Miss Sammy. Don't ever ask me to do that again. So I hadn't heard a lot of preaching on hell. So when I heard a preacher preach on hell, he scared the snot out of me. I'm not real smart, but I did not want to go to hell so they said, hey, you walk down this aisle and you fill out a card. And I walked down that aisle, I filled out the card and I walked out of that auditorium just as lost as a ball in high weeds. Nothing changed in my life. I heard nothing about repentance. I heard nothing about the Lordship of Christ. All I did is fill out a card. Some people think filling out a card or joining a church is salvation. That's not salvation. Some people think baptism is salvation. Baptism is a big deal. It should be the next step of obedience after your salvation. The Bible says, go and make disciples of all the nations and baptize them. But you don't. You can, you can get wet and not be saved. You know, there are denominations that preach in baptismal regeneration. That means my, my brother-in-law being one, he was raised. If you give your life to Jesus and you don't get baptized right then, you go home, you're killed in a wreck, you go to hell. Well, that is a works-based salvation. You look at baptism as a works thing. No, you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. And we know that because the thief on the cross when he repented and turned to Jesus, Jesus said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't say, Hate it for you, you finna die, you can't get baptized, you're going to hell. No, he said, Today. So, baptism is a big deal, but that's not what saves us. And I have people use this phrase with me, and I try to correct them in love every time. Well, I got rebaptized. No, you didn't. There's no such thing as rebaptized. You got wet before, but you're not baptized until after salvation you know as a little boy if i put on a wedding ring i was just playing that didn't that wouldn't make me married until i made that commitment to my wife almost 34 years ago it's a baptism is an outward symbol of an inward commitment it's important but that does not save you church membership does not save you we're we're moving to church membership all of our church membership is somewhere else right now hopefully soon i hate to do it in the summer while our students are gone we're still talking about when to do that but we have to constitute as a church, which is not really a big deal. we have talked about inviting Jojo to come in, our associational missionary to come in and talk to us about that. Preach for us one Sunday. He was a church planter as well years ago. So we want to get there, but it doesn't bother me that we don't have membership here yet. I mean, I want to, but it doesn't change our mission. We're still a church. We might not be recognized by the, um, not Rehoboth, what's our, so, Chattahoochee Association, might not be recognized by them in Georgia Baptist, but we're a church. Churches met in homes. They studied the Word of God. So we are a church, but just not officially recognized. We don't have membership yet, but we hope to get there, but that's not what saves us. Only repenting of our sins and making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of our life. That's the only way to be saved. Salome knew that what Jesus said that settles it. So it's not just about going through rituals and stuff like that. It's not about who your family is. There's some people who think, my family's been in this church for generations. My great 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 granddaddy was a preacher my great granddaddy was a deacon that no God doesn't have any grandchildren God only has children if you have godly parents thank God for your godly parents if you've been in church nine months before you were born thank God for that but that does not make you a Christian we all have to get to the point of understanding hey he died for my sins and I can't get to heaven on my mama's coattails or my stepmama's coattails I had to make that decision on my own And what a legacy she left for Jesus. In verse 23, when Jesus said that, she didn't argue. She didn't debate. She didn't discuss. Jesus said it, and she took that to be fact. And I believe... I'm going to try to connect the dots for you. I can't prove it, but I believe at that moment she was transformed. I believe at that moment she was transformed. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot about her other than this encounter. She was married to Zebedee. She had these boys. But there's another very important fact we get in Scripture about Salome. On that first Easter at the empty tomb, guess who was there? Salome, this woman right there, was at that empty tomb. So I can't prove it, but I think her life was transformed. Because when you really and truly come face to face with Jesus, you can't walk away unchanged. You're either going to be transformed or your heart is going to be hardened. So we can learn some lessons from her. The greatest way for a mama to impact her children is to point him to Jesus. The greatest way for a mama to impact her children is for her to give her life to Jesus and be transformed the way my stepmom was on Mother's Day. A sold-out mama for the Lord Jesus Christ or daddy is living proof of His transforming power. Talk's cheap. We can all say it. Come to church, get dressed up, tote a Bible, we can say it. But if there's not evidence of our life being transformed, better check our heart. Because what the, the difference happens on the inside. We sing that song consuming from the inside out. Salvation is from the inside out. I don't have to do this and do this and do this to be saved. But when he does get a hold of my heart, some things outwardly in my life are going to be different. Do you know him as the Lord and Savior of your life? Transformed, and I keep saying transformation moms because it's Mother's Day. But guys, these six principles apply to all of us. These are six biblical principles that apply to every man and woman. It just happens to be Mother's Day. And this is a mama that we're looking at. Transform moms and dads tend to have kids who want to discover God's purpose for their life. Transform moms and dads tend to have kids who've watched them pray and watch God answer prayers for mom and dad. And those kids learn what he did for mama, he can do for me. I mean, some of you have the memory of coming in and seeing your mom and dad on on their knees at night, praying for you when you were out maybe doing stuff you ought not to do. That's the kind of legacy we want to leave for our children. Ladies and gentlemen, does your life give evidence of being transformed? And here's the thing: We're Transformation Church. We want to be a church where anybody's life can be transformed by the gospel. We're advertising, casting a wide net on Facebook, and we've already had put two thousand hits on that. But you know the way we'll fill up this gymnasium is by living transformed lives. Nothing wrong with advertising. Nothing wrong with putting the word out. We'll do all of that. But when we go out of here and we live that out in the workplace and at school or in our neighborhoods, people will see that difference. They're gonna wanna know. They'll hear, and we've already studied this and seen this in the book of Acts. When God is at work, the crowds will come running. A church alive is worth the drive. We're East Hall, we're focusing on this community. When people hear God's doing something here, they'll drive from all around like some of you have to already get here today. I wanna live out that transformed life. I want my kids to see that their daddy and their granddaddy was just crazy enough in his 50s to leave an established church, to leave an established income, to trust God to do something that I never dreamed we would do. It's not so they'll brag on me so they'll say, we serve a big God. He used my old daddy. He used my old granddaddy to see, to see God do this. I pray that this church is established and for generations to come, if the Lord doesn't come back, this will be something that far outlives me and you. I don't know how long the church will be meeting here. Maybe one day it'll be an auditorium somewhere. But because of your faithfulness to live out that transformed life and getting on the ground floor of what God's doing, generations to come can be transformed by the truth of God's word. Would you pray with me?